0: I'm going to be running and comparing a monthly show called Stand-Up Tragedy. Check it out at www.standuptragedy.co.uk. The first night will be happening on the 6th of February and tickets are available for that and for all the nights from the Leicester Square Theatre box office. It's also going to be available as a podcast, so check it out on its SoundCloud page or have a search for it on iTunes and subscribe there. The live nights are gonna be fantastic. I've got some really great acts booked and we're not just having a live night, we're also gonna be releasing a free weekly, short form this time, podcast of extracts from those shows.
1: Living in the moment was something that I'd been aware of, an idea I've been aware of for years and one that I thought was a very good thing, but realistically, I don't know that I was doing it a lot.
0: Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better Please make me better I want to get better 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 acquainted with you Today we're getting better acquainted with Lily. Hello Lily. Hello Dave. We are in my back garden on a nice sunny day and hopefully the wind will die down. The first question that I ask people is how do you know me?
1: I know you through Hayley Gullen, who you interviewed a few weeks back, I think. She's my housemate now, but she's she's been a friend of mine since we were at uni together. So maybe six years I've known Hayley. And I think I first met you at a couple of parties of hers, maybe two or three years back now, Yeah,
0: actually.
1: probably. And then I've sort of basically got to know you through going to events where we have mutual friends like her and music things and if
0: you met me at a party you either you either get the wow it's like a the, the wind is making an interesting uh kind of Earthquake sound around my ears, <laughs> but uh, if you meet me at a party, you either meet a very uh, outgoing, life of the party sort of person, or a very quiet person. So I think you probably met the first of those two. Actually.
1: Yeah, I think the party where I met you was one of Haley's birthdays, and she was at the place in Surbiton. And
0: yeah, that was a cool place. We were all playing ways. music, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it
1: was it was really nice. It was really inclusive because I don't really play music myself, but it was just good because people had brought along. Oh, we had so. a big She'd jam. She brought along percussion. Yeah, and so I kind of felt that I had a had a place in it as well. Oh that's
0: nice I like it at parties when it happens kind of naturally and organically and everybody feels involved mm-hmm. always feel a bit weird though like I always feel like I don't know you don't want to be the first person who starts playing music at a party because you're like what if everyone doesn't want this to happen and I just get my guitar out and yeah, yeah um, I can understand that actually yeah, yeah that can be be a bit awkward I'm generally quite awkward in parties but I'm I'm glad I wasn't as awkward as I can be <laughs> uh then what do you do now
1: what do I do now? Yeah. Um, that's an interesting question, actually. I, it's one that, a few years back, I sort of stopped, I started, A, trying to ask other people that in a way that didn't make them talk about what they did for work unless they wanted that's to. That's why I
0: was it in that way, yeah. And
1: also, I try to kind of give a fuller answer than what I do for work, just because the the paid work I do It's never really been, well, I've had periods where it's been something that I'm interested in, but it's not the main thing for me at the moment. I hope one day it will be. Um, having said that, during the day I work as a sort of assistant to an academic in an institute of dentistry in the university, which is quite, actually quite interesting because a lot of his research is quite socio-economic and to do with people accessing healthcare and how their economic position and where they're born affects that which is actually I find it really worthwhile. Other things I do, I I write, I enjoy writing a lot and it's something that I've come back to recently after a long spell away from it so it's, it's really a pleasure to be doing that again and I also do yoga which has become quite a big part of my life.
0: It's a hard question to answer when you're a writer when somebody says what do you do because I'm sure you, my, my experience is you, you sort of say I'm a writer and then the next question they ask is, oh, where have you been published? Or something yeah. like that. And nobody wants to have that as the follow-up question when they're uh, a not-yet-published writer. Yeah. And people don't really take it seriously as well. That's the other thing. If you haven't been published sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I understand the uh, reluctance to sort of tie yourself down yeah. in these kind of questions. I did think long and hard about what to ask in these interviews, but the real c- crux of it comes with, I think... How someone defines themselves is actually quite important to getting better acquainted with them, and so yeah. that 's where I kind of came down to and also people need shorthand initially to know w- how to start listening to you you Do you know what i mean and yeah so, okay, now I, I think that already this conversation is proving to be quite a meta one <laughs> I, I think it's going to be that way because of the topics that i 've got on my list actually. Of things to talk to you about,
1: I, I am a bit. I, I am a person who thinks about everything, probably too much, arguably too much. So that that probably it probably would have gone that way well, anyway. We we
0: share we share that <laughs> uh, that is yeah. A lot of people tell me I should I should think about things less, but I'm not sure they're right. <laughs> what made you come back to writing?
1: Yeah, it's funny because I don't know if it was something that I. I really consciously made an effort to to start doing again um, but i'd been i 've always been a words person it 's what I grew up with poetry and stories and books I was drawn to them from a young age, so writing again that kind of goes along with the territory yeah and it had just always been something that i'd done on and off you know with various levels of frequency until my early to mid-twenties. I went away from it for a bit and I just stopped having ideas and that was for lots of reasons. It was to do with the way I was feeling at the time, my psychological state at the time. Right. Also I think it's natural for writers to have their ideas dry up but I'd started to get into other things which were more physical for the first time in my life. I was actually starting to... Do more things consciously with my body like or sporty things, learn to dance more that kind of thing and and in a way, it was funny because it was almost as if my mind or my focus had shifted from expression through words to expression through uh,
0: physical activity mm.
1: which was it was quite an interesting thing to observe, but ultimately, I did kind of miss having ideas and then they just came back. They started to come back last year and I started to have these ideas and think, oh, oh, you should write these down because this is, this is something that hasn't happened in a long time. And also I, I went up to the Edinburgh Fringe for the first time last year. Some of my friends, while they were going up with the comedy group, I was invited even though I didn't really know most of the group very well and I did some help flyering them and while I was in Edinburgh, I saw a lot of spoken word which was very very inspiring it was like this sudden bolt and i thought oh i'd not really seen much poetry in that format before and it was really i guess it opened my eyes to the whole thing i kind of discovered it there and i thought hmm this is it just kind of worked in the back it worked away in the back of my mind i don't think there was a moment where i thought i should do this or not an immediate moment where i thought i should do this but it was clearly working away back there and yeah, then it just
0: came out somewhere it's funny how ideas do that they sort of Take their own time, and then they and then they just bubble to the front. Yeah, I've been to the Edinburgh Festival back in the day when I was at university. I took a a show there, and I, I went oh. there every year as well around that time. It's a very intensely inspirational place, I think, if yeah. you're in the right mode when you're there. I think if you've got enough money to go and see shows, that's important. I went once yeah. to Edinburgh and I had no money, and it was very annoying because you know at, at Edinburgh you can take a chance, mm. but <laughs> if you can't afford that chance to be a bad one, then you get much more bitter if you see a bad <laughs> show. Whereas if you can afford it, you can you can go. Oh, let's just see everything. let just and so it can be really intoxicating. I really enjoy Edinburgh.
1: I mean, it's interesting you say that. I think I was quite lucky last year because I really was. I mean, I was broker this time last year. I was oh, broke right, than okay. I've ever ever been and so I didn't you know I was a lot of what I was seeing was either free or very cheap fringe stuff.
0: Well that's changed since when I used to go there wasn't Uh a free fringe when I went when I I had no money I definitely would say from what I've heard because that's the last time I went to Edinburgh I'm going Mm. again this coming weekend Uh and yeah, I think it's going to be very different with the free fringe. I think that's probably changed it. So you went to see a lot of free stuff.
1: Yeah, I did. But I, I, and you know, there's plenty of. It's always a mixed bag. But yeah. then again, the paying stuff is always a mixed bag. Yeah,
0: definitely, the paying stuff is definitely a yeah. mixed bag.
1: Um, and I think you get the same ratio of, of decent shows to not so good ones in the free st- as you do in the kind of top of the range premium yeah. stuff, which is quite a nice. It's quite it kind of affirms what you want to believe which yeah. is nice um, but I was lucky because I'd, the people I was up there with a lot of them had already seen various comedy groups for example or, or there were one or two I mean one friend I was there with Hannah does a lot of spoken word stuff herself so she knew where the good spoken word would be so I was lucky in that I had people saying, "Oh, you should come and see this." Yeah, and their judgment, nine times out of ten, was pretty good.
0: Yeah, it's good, especially. Like, I always found if there's, you know, because I've got friends who I trust their opinion of mm. as well, and, and if they if they've been there for the week before and you come, that's the best situation because they yeah. know all the good people.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a bit like having a sherpa if you're going to climb Mount Everest. It's a bit like having a sort of a mountain guide to guide you through the like all the tricky parts of the festival and the bits where you might sort of go a bit wrong and go go to the wrong thing and someone says no no you don't you know that sounds good but you don't want to go there yeah and I guess if um, you're with
0: there with people who are doing shows as well there'll be a lot more parties as well and stuff like that I imagine yeah like with other people who are doing shows like when I went there and did a show myself it was great you get you know money off things in the same venue as you Mm -hmm. and you go to to parties with different people and Mm -hmm. it's going to be quite quite a good social like net networking event I guess but I'm not too keen on the concept of networking but yeah. it was fun anyway
1: what kind of show were you doing there? oh I, I
0: took a theatre show it was a devised performance about our relationship to time it was called A Stitch it was a great experience it, what was amazing about it was just because I was do- we were doing the show for two weeks or I, know, I think it was it might have even been three weeks but uh, every day mm. you know you sort of unlocked something in like because normally when you do theatre stuff when you're a kid you mm. have a couple of performances like three nights or something you don't do a big extended run you know whereas no, we yeah. I was we sort of unlocked this kind of capacity to you know do a show and then go and see three shows and all that stuff yeah and it was you know a really good experience I, I yeah it was great
1: it's like that that thing where you. Don't know if this is interrupting, I'm pouring water. No, don't um, worry, yeah, that's fine. Um it's like that thing where you you just you do these you suddenly find that you you start running off adrenaline when you're there because you are doing far more things than you could normally cope with in your life at yeah. once. Um but, but somehow can, it works. So yeah. And you achieve this um but I think because you're so, partly because you're so tired, you, you get to this point where all the ideas merge together and you have you can have some it can, like you said, it can be very inspiring because I suppose all those barriers that your brain normally has the energy left over to put up in your head and in your thought processes, when you all the normal thought processes that your brain normally has the energy left over to run, they disappear because you're you're surviving on four hours sleep for several yeah, days at a time. that's right. I remember last year I lived off, practically lived off these kind of caffeine and vitamin C sachets yeah. from Boots and I was horribly, horribly ill the weekend I left. But yeah, it, it, you have all those barriers removed and in a way that's quite a good thing because they're functional barriers normally but they they can inhibit creativity yeah that's that's right
0: we were like flyering in the day and going to shows and 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 like I say parties and stuff and I don't know that the the capacity to take notes like after shows and put them into practice the next day Mm -hmm. just seemed really much much higher you know you only needed to be told something once and you'd be it was like my mind felt like constantly on like Mm. at all times and when we were doing the show it became like second nature to do the show and easy to adapt the show as well so by the end uh the last day we were there one of the the members of the group she was sick and she couldn't do the show so Mm. we had to redo the show without her in it and i sort of did some of her part and stuff like this and I didn't realise that I had it in me to sort of be that a bit to have that ability to to, to adapt to things so well, and it was it was kind of an eye opener, and I guess that was, I mean I was what, 20 or something, 21, so it was an important lesson to learn. I've been I've been glad of ha- glad of having learnt it. So. You went to Cambridge.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: Surprisingly to me, a lot of the interviews I've been doing have been about Cambridge because uh, I know now a few people who went to Cambridge yeah. and that's not something I ever expected to, to have within my life. Mm-hmm. And turns out, at least the ones I know, they're, they're, they're much nicer than I expected. Huh. And that's where you met Haley.
1: Yeah.
0: What was going to Cambridge like?
1: Ooh, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many things. Um, it's... Um, it was an in, it was a very important time of my life, I suppose. But then that seems like a silly thing to say because every part of your life is important, really, Um it all forms you. There are lots of things that have surprised me about it. I think you know I couldn't really I don't really know how much of a preconceived I- idea I had of how it would be. I could never have imagined all the things that happened when I was there. The the amazing some of the amazing friendships I made when I was at Cambridge. And yeah. um, that was for me that's a very important thing that's lasted from that. You you meet people who very much at that time of your life, and I'm sure it's the same, sorry, I'm kind of answering this in a more general way about going to university, um, and I'm sure most people's university experiences are like... Yeah, that's that's true. Um, But, you know, that's an interesting thing in itself because I think at the end of the day, um, like, with some exceptions, which I'll talk about in a minute, but I think most people who arrive in Cambridge are the same as any other undergraduates arriving at university and about to embark on this next stage of their lives where they most of them go away and live, live away from home for the first time and you just make these incredible relationships with people who really do sort of it's very formative the interactions you have they right. they form you and the, the strength of those friendships and relationships, that's quite overwhelming. But also, I'm just trying to think more gen- more specific things about what it was like.
0: I think that the, the difference between a quote-unquote normal university uh-huh. and Oxford and Cambridge or an Ivy League university mm. in America or whatever... I mean, you're you're absolutely right. There is a universal young experience of when you move away from home, you form really close attachments, mm. and that might not even be university. But for most people of our sort of age and class background, I imagine yeah. most of us have been to university and and uh, we've formed those kind of close attachments. But I guess the difference is that the pool of people that go to Cambridge tend to be more affluent in, in, to, to begin with. And perhaps have better connections to begin with. Yeah. And so the connections that you make at, at Cambridge will ha- get you further in terms of the connections afterwards. Like the connections that I made at Lancaster University, yeah. they have had an effect on my life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, they are now I'm what, I'm 30 in October, and all of my friends who I went to university with are now becoming successful
1: yeah.
0: and they are becoming useful. Uh, Contacts. I don't like using that word. No, but, but.
1: it's a really interesting th- way to see how people are developing. Yeah,
0: and, you know, and, and their lives. And, and they do, and they and they become, you know, relatively high up in their chosen mm. pr- pr- professions, and they become useful to me. And I hope. Well, I'm not very useful to them at the moment, but I, 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 you know, who knows? But the kind of reach of the Lancaster University students out into the world—not the same as the reach of, 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 of your contemporaries who you went to Cambridge with.
1: No, that's true. I mean, I do know a lot of people who... or Just just the kind of... Even the Cambridge Label that they've graduated with um, has, um, you know, it's meant that they could walk into things that maybe if you'd been to a different university you wouldn't have found so easy to, to do that. Yeah. Um, and yes, and, you know, there are a lot more on the whole of people who, you know, their parent does something... With this famous newspaper, or their parent is in the office of this MP, or, or yeah, do you know what I mean? Exactly, it's it's yeah. very kind of middle class in a way, and, and also um, yeah, just very, very middle class, very very white as well. Definitely, yeah. it, it does feel like a bit of a time warp in some ways. Although I came from a village, so in some ways, I mean, I've been to school in Aylesbury, which is pretty actually quite multicultural. Um, and my school in Aylesbury was it was a grammar school, but still you know just by virtue of the way Aylesbury is and the demographics there, like definitely it was a lot more representative apart from being girls school but <laughs> it was a lot more representative culturally I would say than than Cambridge was to to a larger extent. Uh, which is interesting, actually. I'd never really thought about that, but, when but it's a, it's a it... funny thing.
0: I mean, I, I, I think there was a there was probably more diversity in Lancaster University than there would it have been in Cambridge. Mm. But but I wouldn't call Lancaster University a diverse place either. I think mm. that one of the things I've learned from knowing people who have been to Cambridge or other places that I consider part of like the well, what my fifteen-year-olds self would have hated in a kind of class (laughs) battle kind of way (laughs) one of the things I've learned is that people who didn't go to Oxford and Cambridge but went to a university like to kind of have this chip on their shoulder about people who went to Mm -hmm. Oxford or Cambridge and actually the truth is if you went to a university you are privileged whatever the university you went to and no universities are diverse and so complaining that Oxford and Cambridge should be more diverse is fair but you should also be uh, applying that to all of the universities. So certainly, I mean, Lancaster's quite a good university. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, maybe there maybe there are less good, in inverted commas again, universities with which have got more diversity and have got a wider class background. I mean, certainly a lot of the people I went to university with came from working class backgrounds. Mm-hmm. But then I would imagine that some of the people who you went to university with... Had working class backgrounds and scholarships and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean certainly. I mean, this is another thing. I mean, I always find the question of. I was talking to someone about this yesterday, and they were saying the same thing because culturally, I've always been middle class. Like my my mother was very determined, or is very determinedly middle class, and defines in that way. And you know, my all my friends are I. I have I fit in with all those cultural norms, and I guess the amount that I earn now makes puts me into that bracket as well. But you know, financially, certainly I wouldn't have counted this as middle class when when I was growing up. And certainly, you know, I went to Cambridge on not on a scholarship, but on sort of full full fees being paid mm. on a full student loan. I couldn't have done it without that. And there were just other factors that came into play before that that kind of led to me
0: being there I suppose. I've forgotten what the original <laughs> question was actually,
1: i haven't really bad. Well I mean we're sort of riffing
0: <laughs> off the yeah. idea of, of, of Oxford and Cambridge. One of the most, I guess, again in inverted commas, one of the most working class people I know who, I don't know if he'd like that definition of himself, but who has been interviewed in one of the shows, mm. his name's Owen, his brother went to Oxford. Uh-huh. And you know, from a council estate, yeah, it, it is completely possible yeah. uh, for for people from any background to sort of go uh, to Oxford and Cambridge it, to a certain extent. I think the difference is that people from working class backgrounds are not taught that they can. Yes, I mean that's yeah. that's the basic thing. And you know, I don't know. It's it's a complicated thing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean.
1: I mean, I don't want to turn this into a conversation about politics because you know I talk about politics with people all the time, and it, it's um, it can drag a bit. But I think for me, one of the biggest, one of the things that upset me most about the expansion of universities in the, I suppose about well, it upsets me now about in in the nineties yeah. and, and people saying, oh, you know, it's great because now this this many people go to university out of the whole population, and but it, it seemed obvious. It seemed obvious to me for a long time that that wasn't the same as increasing access and increasing inclusivity um, to people for, you know, widening access to people from more diverse backgrounds, Mm. you know, more people to going to university. A lot of those people are still coming from a very typical or, you know, a very middle class background. And it just seemed a bit hypocritical to kind of go on about how you'd wind access when obviously anyone could see in front of their faces that a lot of people who were, incredibly able still weren't making it into university or still weren't making it into a university that would make a difference
0: well, to them i mean there's also the interesting thing of i, I mean I, I i don't like this idea that if you ev- everybody should go to university mm. i think that there are lots of people who university isn't right for which doesn't mean that they're not intelligent. It just means that they have different areas that they want to explore. They might be more practical mm-hmm. um, in terms of like engineering or scholarships and stuff like that. And what I find happens is, if you're middle class, you go to university, even if you're not suited. Yeah. And if you're working class, you might you might go down the apprenticeship route, or you might get a, as if you're working class, you might uh, get a you might go and be an apprentice. You might just get a job, or you might go to university. But still, the question isn't what's best for you. You know, what I'd like is that we have a situation where universities are inclusive; anyone from any background can go to them. But only people who will benefit from university go. You know what I mean? That's the just the the cultural thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I don't think that universities should be about being getting a job either. I mean, increasingly, that's the other way Mm. that universities are
1: going. Yeah. Again, um, I talk about this a lot, but um, (laughs) um, no, but it's true. I mean, I, I got. An amazing education at university and that in itself was a very important thing and I I think from the point of view of a nation's culture or a a cultural identity of a place I think it's very important for any country to to have people going to university to to get an education to to expand the way they think somehow and to to introduce new ideas to just it's it's really unhealthy for a country just to send people to university to to improve the financial wealth yeah of the country because the then you ignore it's, it's a very obvious thing and you know you've got tons of people writing about this all the time but it's very important to work focus on the cultural capital yep. of a place that's something I feel very strongly about but you do I mean I, I talked to my dad's side of the family and it's it's quite it, ma- it makes me quite sad actually because they don't really well they, they definitely don't see it in the same way they they see it the opposite way they see university as a means to an end of getting a job getting a job and oh yeah you have a great experience at the same time or you you have an education at the same time but mainly it's about
0: becoming employable yeah yeah
1: becoming employable which you know I can understand parents having that viewpoint now or I can understand students having that viewpoint now because of well it's sort of the way that people are encouraged to think and also the financial situation there is a lot of pressure on people to to get a job to in in an increasingly difficult climate but uh, it's too lengthy to go into and I'm not a very organized political thinker but um I, in a way I think it it's a situation it's a self-propagating situation um, I think mean,
0: you seem you seem pretty organized as a, as, a, as a thinker to me <laughs> political or, or or otherwise I mean I I find uh I I, I sometimes I think I'm I've got a very consistent Worldview, but when I try and explain it, uh, sometimes it gets confu- confused confused, <laughs> so I, I I think you're doing well. The other thing that you said defined you now is yoga so i mean when when did you start doing yoga?
1: Um, when did I start doing it I started about three years ago, which actually feels like a quite a long time and I'd wanted to give yoga a try for years, actually, for a long time, and just things kept getting in the way. It was just one of those things. I didn't do it as a student because I just didn't. I was quite, I was quite lazy with my like my main like activity that I did outside my studies when I was a student was hanging out with my friends and going to the pub or doing interesting things or having like or cooking or stuff. So yeah, I didn't do many organised activities back then. And then I didn't have the money at one point. I wasn't in the right location at one point. So. Anyway, it was after I'd spent the time living at my mum's and I got this job and I moved back to Cambridge and I thought, right, I'm going to to do some things that I've been meaning to do and now I'm back in a town and I've been living in a village before which is just if you don't drive it's... I don't know if you know this experience, but it's living in a village and not driving is, um, is quite yeah, interesting. Yeah, I,
0: I know of it. I lived in a village when I was a kid, but I didn't really want to go anywhere else because I was a little kid. Yeah, Whereas exactly. my brother, he had a similar situation of, you know, how do you get to the places you want to go yeah. and stuff like that, like pubs and stuff are far away or whatever, you know.
1: Yeah. Um, it's not that you have no choices, it's just that your choices are restricted. Very limited. And it's yeah. everybody
0: that you everybody that you know in that location as well. You can't get away from... The village.
1: No, (laughs) that that sounds about as sinister as it really is. (laughs) (laughs) So yoga, yes. Um, I I started going along to this class, and it was Ashtanga yoga, which is quite a physical form. Like all Mm. forms of yoga have a meditative aspect as well, but Ashtanga is the most probably the most sort of one where it's it's very much based in what you're doing with your body, and any meditative aspect tends to come from. The fact that you're focusing totally on what you're doing and you're mm. just being completely present in that moment mm. and in what you're doing, and so you don't have time to think about your boss or you know someone who's upset you that day or whatever. You that's the relaxing thing about it. You completely push all those things away and you come into this this place where you're you're completely focused in that moment and I think that's been very useful to me actually because as someone who does, does overthink things as we were saying earlier it's very good to have that focus and it's always like being in the living in the moment was something that I'd been aware of an idea I've I'd been aware of for years and one that I thought was a very good thing but realistically I don't know that I was doing it a lot and I, I when I think about it I think yoga is very much something that's helped me to to live more in that way, and to kind of practice what I preach, almost mm. in in the way of that. Which is that's it's funny because I hadn't really. I was thinking about what we might end up talking about, and I started thinking about yoga because it's become important in my life. And it, it was only really yesterday that I I sort of started to think it has had that about the effects it ha- it's had on me. So
0: it's it's a physical and mental activity, yoga. I mean, yeah. I I. I did a year of dance at university. Oh yeah. And some of what we learned was yoga. Uh-huh. So uh there was a weekly dance class mm-hmm. at 8:30 on a Monday morning. Jesus.
1: Wow. Um <laughs> that's quite yoga kind yeah, like I was just having just to get like up in the morning and just getting discipline. up with a hangover
0: <laughs> going should I go in I don't know what I don't even know where my mind is it's a sun salutation it was a warm up after you've done your stretches you do the warm up and I found that 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 Monday class to be Mm. I guess kind of what you're talking about it physically improved my physicality Mm. and made me and doing that year of dance made me a lot more in touch with my body and how I move and I mean I'm still a really clumsy person and I still most of the time I'm not in Touch with my body, Uh but I know how to do it now. Yeah, and I sort of had that year, and by the end of the year, then I did went and did that show in Edinburgh that we were talking about earlier, and that was a physical. Most of that was quite physical. Yeah. By the end of that year, I actually had a six pack, which was great. But then I stopped dancing. Yeah, and then uh, it goes, doesn't it? Yeah. So
1: (laughs) I'm familiar with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so I and 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 when you're dancing as well, not the kind of dance that I'm talking about there, which was contemporary, experimental, theatre kind of dancing, Mm -hmm. but when you're dancing in a nightclub, you know. That that's another time I find that where I can lose my mind in the movement and the yeah. sound. So there's there's the meditative aspect of yoga that you're talking mm. about, and then there's the physical impr- improvement, I guess, m- you know, of your body. You're making mm. you more f- physically able to do things, supple and stuff. What which is the most important d- factor for you?
1: Oh, that's interesting. Um, I don't know if I can really. I think I approached it as quite a physical thing. So I'd been doing kickboxing before that, mainly because I couldn't get to a yoga class from where I was living before. So I thought, oh, let's do this. Mm. So I'd I'd done kickboxing beforehand, and I loved that. I loved the fact that suddenly I was becoming strong. And and it's interesting because, you know, as a cultural thing, we we still, as a culture, I think, I don't think we kick against women who are physically strong anymore. But I think it's, it's definitely not something that girls are sort of encouraged to be. Mm. Like, we still don't, like, we still tend to say to boys, oh, you know, it's good, you're putting on some muscle and that kind of thing. But like, women aren't girls when they're growing into women. We don't really, you know, the only muscle we really tend to, as a culture, or within the media or as a culture, tend to in- encourage women to develop is, is sort of pelvic floor to be honest yes. which um is tied into the sort of very much traditional female role which i think is great and you know um yoga has the benefit of you know like working on that kind of thing as well um which is great that's an important thing to keep strong but it's it's not very holistic it's not a very it's not really no, it's well, kind of an unhealthy over focusing
0: right. well we don't we don't want in terms of cultural kind of pressures there's a the, the there isn't the same pressure on women to be muscular there's a a, 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 there's pressure on women to be thin and that there isn't pressure on women to be muscular and 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 it i mean i i do actually whether it's because i've it's whether it's because of my cultural lens or whether it's just a natural preference but i i do get really put off by bodybuilding women do you know what I mean I get, but then I get put off by bodybuilding yeah, men it's I not think like that's a, a bit of a
1: separate thing yeah, in a yeah, way yeah, 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 yeah. um like to kind of try and pump yourself up to something unnatural yeah, in right. anyone of any gender that's that's a bit of a strange thing yeah I think well I say that's quite judgmental isn't it to say it's strange but um well, you know if, what I mean you know it's a choice
0: isn't it yeah um, but it's a but it's a it, it's a it's a, it's a Choice to go into a to get into a physical state that isn't necessarily natural, like you yeah. say. I mean, and that's fine if people know that that's what they're doing. But I I, I agree, it's not the same as kind of connecting with with your own body and mm. in, and 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 being what you might have been if we were hunter gatherers, say, still. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, I, th- I think that's one of the things I like about Ashtanga Yoga, the way that it it, it does. It, I I feel that the the way it develops you is very much physically is very much like a return to the kind of postural things that you'd have developed, and the the sort of the strength, the kind of strength you'd have developed as, well, in our kind of original state, as it were, yeah. um, running around gathering food, living more in a more wild way. And while you know I'm not knocking any of the benefits of civilization and you know no creature comforts of the modern age, I'm quite happy with those. But I think when we increasingly have sedentary lifestyles, it's yeah. really important That's really to true, true. get people out there and do, and doing things. And in fact, you know, there's been a lot of work with. Children, or there's been an increasing amount of projects getting children or bringing yoga into schools on some level, which I think is a really healthy thing because increasingly schoolwork is sedentary, you know, the DPE, but the rest of the time they're like sitting down writing or in front of a computer and it's longer hours, you have more homework than you used to, just a lot more time indoors and being physically inactive. And I think yoga can be quite a good antidote or the kind of exercise it brings can be quite a good
0: antidote Yeah, that's that. true. I mean, in, increasingly in modern life, we don't really do any exercise, do we? And so it, mm. it's good to find it somehow... You know, we have to sort of engineer it to a certain extent or we won't have it. Mm. Uh, and if you can engineer it in a way that you enjoy, then that's <laughs> great. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm considering starting doing meditation... Oh. you now you're making me think that maybe I should go for yoga but I'll, I'll 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 take that into consideration
1: well I mean the thing is that the the philosophy of that actually I have a gripe about yoga that I'll come to in a moment okay. but um or yoga culture or but the philo- one of the main philosophies behind yoga behind ashtanga yoga is that through doing work through working with the body you and through disciplining yourself or kind of imposing certain disciplines and things on yourself that way you you learn to, you can control your mind a bit Mm. more easily and you can calm the mind more easily and I'm by no means a perfect example of that, it's still something that I'm sort of very much having to work on and there are times when I'll go to yoga and yeah sometimes it doesn't work and I still feel stressed afterwards, usually it does but you know there are just sometimes when you don't engage or you're you're just so out of sorts that it it doesn't quite have that effect but um, I feel that that's something that develops and certainly recently I I find that it's a nice thing because you feel you can be working on yoga for your whole life and you still have something to learn from it, it still has something to teach you. So in, in a way I think that, that sort of I th- just think the physical and the meditation or meditative aspect are very difficult to separate in some way. So you
0: don't have a preference because they're intertwined. That it's makes like sense to pe- me. Yeah,
1: it's a bit like yeah. people who garden a lot. You know, it's a very physical activity. You can be a gardener. The amount of time you spend like planting flowers is so little or picking fruit is so little compared it's not really that's just one tiny tiny aspect of it that's five percent of your time the rest is digging and and like being down for hours on your knees weeding and putting fertilizer (laughs) into the ground and that kind of thing and those kind of repetitive exercises i think a lot of people in gardening a lot of people find calming as well or, or you know even you know how people often use housework as a displacement exercise yeah. when they're trying not to get on with something or trying not to think about something and you think oh, i'll do that washing up now <laughs> or you you do all these things that you wouldn't necessarily normally so readily do but it really works because this calm
0: it calms you down motion, yeah. i mean i guess that's the thing i mean initially i'm sort of the reason i'm thinking about meditation for the first time ever mm-hmm. because i've always been like why the hell would i want to turn my mind off i don't i like thinking and I, and I was not sure I'd be able to do it. The kind of idea of silence kind of horrifies me. But I was—I th- sort of have c- come to a place where I'm like, oh, maybe turning my mind off actually will help mm. me quite often. Actually, my problem is I can't turn my mind off. A little bit like mm. you're saying, with yourself that you think overthink things. Sometimes I can get to that point, and that mm. can be problematic. But what you're saying about yoga makes me think. Well, actually, maybe that's the thing to do because the physical activity turns your mind off for you whereas meditation seems to be a you have to i don't know how i don't know how i have no idea how that could work whereas i can understand kind of overpowering your mind by just getting Mm. involved in the physicality and i've got a history with it as well really so maybe maybe i'll start doing yoga yeah yeah Yeah. but but what's your converted Haley. (laughs) (laughs) but what's your problem with yoga culture because i i i think that our listeners may may share that some some prejudices against yoga b- yeah. because of the culture of it you oh, know?
1: Yeah. I think there's a lot of kind of earnest eastern philosophy that's got adopted into our modern culture and now you hear it banded about everywhere and it just starts to sound very insincere and also
0: quite um,
1: Where is pretentious
0: is there a fly in there?
1: Yeah, there others. Oh, oh no it's a bee we should do something about that ah <laughs> um, it's a bee um so, uh, yeah, I like bees, and I like bees too, they're they endangered
0: help the so plants. My mom yeah. really cares about bees um, I think it'll be a, I think it'll be fine now. It seems okay it'll dry off. it'll dry off it out. Uh, <laughs> there's no sugar in that tea, so it'll be, be, be better for it in yeah terms of yeah um,
1: so so, yeah, there's a lot of cod eastern philosophy bounded about these days, I mean, it's been happening since what the 60s, 70s really, a lot of it becomes very insincere sounding, very pretentious, very commercialised in fact, like a lot of sincere, earnest, worthwhile things have been commercialised in the last 50 years so I suppose you sometimes hesitate to say I do yoga although I, I don't um because I'm fairly confident that I can kind of persuade people afterwards yeah uh, afterwards about it is that I think it does have an image problem well it's got several image problems there's this sort of me time image of yoga which I hate yoga is kind of about turning your focus inward And someone whose focus all my life has been arguably too much outward in terms of personal development I think that's a good thing but the commercialized flip side of that like focusing on yourself and developing yourself is me time, which is just a horrendous phrase. Because it, it's it's something that's packaged up and commodified and sold to people, which is completely against that whole philosophy of, of yoga and things like that. And the other thing is just um yeah, the, the sort of the rebranding of earnest things. So sometimes I, I read something, you know, like a really profound quotation from a very important yogi or a, a guru in the in the true sense, and you think that has is something. It might be something someone said hundreds of years ago, and you think, yeah, that's that's really got some worth. But you know, you couldn't repeat it to anyone because, or you know, you couldn't really use it, or you feel a bit ashamed. Not ashamed. You just feel embarrassed to say to someone, "Oh, I heard this thing the other day, and I thought it was really profound." Blah blah blah. Because. It just, it, it sounds a bit like wank yeah. these days, you know, and it, it's, um, that's, it, it's a shame. It's a shame, but maybe it's inevitable. I, I
0: don't know. I guess so. I mean, I think uh, the, the thing is that there's, there's a difference between self-obsession and self-improvement, I guess, that I've been mm. sort of, uh, through this project itself is a kind of partly a work of personal improvement and, uh, a certain kind of therapy, mm you know I always resisted those kind of concepts before because I, I was like oh every, humans are so self obsessed anyway we all think we're mm. the center of the universe when we're not and all of these sorts of things mm. and then I realized that no I actually would like to be a better person I'd like to be less self-obsessed mm. and that the ways to do that might mean looking inwards at yeah. what things about me are making me self-obsessed or making me angry or making me sad or whatever you know the things that mm. We all have to deal with, and sometimes if you don't deal with those things, then you're just going around the world as someone you know, someone who could be a better person, like vaguely
1: well meaning, but never quite getting there. Yeah, Yeah.
0: and so I mean, that's so I'm more sympathetic to things like yoga and meditation than I would have been before, but I do completely agree that, like with lots of things in my life, like theater or dance or any of these Mm -hmm. things, there's an image problem that people do go, That's wank, like that is the big. Oh, dance suffers oh. from that massively. Yeah,
1: it, it really does. Again, it's it's a it's a fine line. There are some things which sort of you feel are quite. Sometimes you feel are quite self indulgent. But there's so much. But and it's a shame that that the few, the minority of things that are like that, tend to overshadow a lot of really interesting work and mm. a lot of really interesting things that people are doing. I suppose
0: no absolutely so the last question I ask people is do you have anything you want to plug which is a bit random now um, and
1: no I don't at the moment I haven't really got to the stage with writing and performing where I'm really you know I know where I know sort of in advance what I'm going to be doing really um,
0: so and you haven't got a, a website at the moment not at no, the moment really. no no um, well, I don't know when this will air, so if in the time between this airing and now you do have a website, I'll, I'll certainly go. link to that, you know, in the, in the, on the page, so keep me informed. But, I mean, is there anything that's not you or that, that you know, that you like to plug or anything like that? I
1: don't know. Um, just thinking, um, oh,
0: I really nice. <laughs> yeah, don't know, I'm sorry, no. Don't Don't feel uh, um, quite I'm spot. pretty certain
1: this will, yeah. I've mean, had at
0: least one person say no, so Yeah. probably a couple.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty certain sure this will go out after Edinburgh, so um, as much as yeah, anything else. So the only thing I'm promoting for anyone else at the moment is sort of will have gone already okay. all the time, so no, I don't
0: think so. Cool. Well, <laughs> it's, it's been a real pleasure getting better at with you, and uh, so, the last thing I say to people is, would you like to say goodbye to the audience? Yeah. And now you look back <laughs> at the microphone and see, this is the moment yeah, when everyone remembers this. <laughs> it's, it's
1: there. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's been really interesting, so yeah, Bye, audience. <laughs>
0: goodbye you can find getting better acquainted on twitter at gba podcast you can find it on facebook it's getting better acquainted have a search on facebook and like it or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk you can also subscribe by searching on itunes and subscribing to us that way There are lots of ways to get better acquainted. Have you been enjoying listening to these free podcasts? I've been really enjoying making them. I'm not asking you for money for myself. I don't want to be paid for making these. But I do want to do some more things with this show and also with Stand Up Tragedy. If you want to help me to do this, I'd be really grateful because I can't do it on my own. I need a little bit of help. So please give what you can Go along to the Indiegogo campaign, type into your browser, bit.ly forward slash, GBA and S-U-T. It'll be great if I can hit my target, it'll be great if I even get somewhere towards that target. With the money, what I'm going to do is pay the performers who will be performing at Stand Up Tragedy and go on some more GBA road trips back to places where I have no real access to. And I'll be interviewing some more people there, remembering those places, and taking some of your favourite guests along for the ride with me. It's
1: funny, kind of knowing whether to look at you or the microphone. Look at me.